Good morning, everyone. So good to see all of you here. Uh, as Kanda said, my name is Matt, and I serve as one of the pastors here. My goodness, how awesome was that? Can we give Erica and the band one more hand? So, so good. Gosh, that was so fun, and everyone in the balcony stayed in the balcony. That was, that was exciting and safe. Good job. I don't know how she does that in heels. That's impressive. Just so, so cool. No, seriously, so grateful for that team of people and uh, the folks who uh, put on Kids Point and, and Wonderville and the variety of different ministries. And as Kondo mentioned earlier, we're entering into that season, getting ready to relaunch into the fall. And so there are opportunities to serve alongside uh, these crazy people in the ways that they are worshiping and loving Jesus and leading our kids. And so I would encourage you to strongly consider that even today, uh, because I'm telling you, you go into Kids Point, you are going to just knock out worship and uh, aerobics and uh, teaching and a bunch of great things, uh, all while connecting with kids on a Sunday morning. So it is, it is just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, you are joining us for the conclusion of this series that we are calling Summer Lovin', Taking the Church Outdoors. And my goodness, this has been just such a, a fun series, such a great series. And throughout this series, we have been journeying through uh, this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You heard uh, Caleb and Maiden come up here earlier and, and share a great job. Guys, uh, absolutely no insider trading happening there. Uh, yes, Caleb is my son, but he didn't know that was going to happen, so he was prepared. It, that was legit, so good job, guys. That was impressive. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you don't, we'll have the scripture on the screen for you. You can follow along. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give one in your hands uh, for you to have as um, our gift to you. And so you can get that at the Connection Corner uh, on your way out today. Just let them know that you would like to have a Bible. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Let's read this together one more time. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And as we've been talking throughout this series over the last number of weeks, this is just such a beautiful and just powerful passage. And the words are just uh, so poetic and, and just really, really strong. And yet we want to take time to be reminded and refreshed on this idea of love. Of, of what is love? What does it mean for us to love in the way that Christ has loved us and as Christ followers that we have been led to love? Because we need to do that because we forget, right? We, we have times in our lives where things get busy, things get a little bit hectic, uh, circumstances may press in on us and, and it can be just a little bit of like, whoa, wait a second. And so we wanted to spend the summer taking time to just remind ourselves and refresh ourselves and challenge ourselves to, hey, commit this thing to memory, because love, it's a commandment. And it's not only a commandment, it is the commandment. As we've talked about, this is the commandment where Jesus comes and someone says, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, hey, it's love. It's all wrapped in love. Love God, love other people. Love God, love others. Everything else, all the law, all the prophets, all the commandments, all the truths that you will find in scripture, they come together in this thing. They hang on this thing called love. The greatest commandment. Is love. 
And so for us, as we've journeyed through the summer, we said, hey, let's, you know, step back and, and, and maybe just simplify things a little bit. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get a little bit complicated with life and some of the circumstances. And it's just helpful for me to just step back and return to just some really simple thoughts and principles. And I'm just telling you right here with this in this passage, if you find in scripture and some of the things going on in your life, things are just difficult and hard to understand. Well, we'll just step back and go back to the main thing. The, the, the one thing, the one thing that Jesus held out as the greatest commandment in love. Paul gives a really, really compelling uh, case for the importance of love. And, and we talked about this back at the beginning of the series, and we want to just review it really quickly. Uh, back at verse 1, chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I can have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I mean, we can do a lot. We can be about a lot of things. We can have just the greatest of intentions. I mean, our, our faith game can be strong. We can even just give away all that we have to the poor, give our bodies over to persecution and suffering. But if we are doing that minus love, without love, we are a bunch of noise. And you know and I know that we live in a really hectic, crowded, busy, noisy world and we are just adding to the noise and we're not accomplishing anything in fact it says we gain nothing we're missing the point so today as we wrap up the series we want to explore paul's last five statements on love and like he does in much of his writing he concludes this thing um you know, just, just with a bang, with some, some really strong language. He, he uses some strong language in these statements. In fact, uh, for me here today as a dad, uh, it's, it's language that just can be a, a little bit frustrating to me, if I'm completely honest. Um, okay, so we have a number of kids here this morning with us. Again, so good to have you guys here with us. So I'm going to need your help on this one, okay? Okay. Um, what I would like for you to do is uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some statements. Maybe some statements that you have said at some point to your parents. Um, if you've ever said these statements, what I want you to do is just, just raise your hand. You can just raise your hand. Just let us know, like, yeah, I've said that thing. Um, as we go along, you may decide, like, um, I don't really want to raise my hand. Maybe you want to raise your hand on behalf of your friend or your brother and sister. That's fine. You, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an all skate. You can do that however you want to do that. No, no problem. All right, so we got it. I'm going to make some statements. Raise your hand if you have found yourself saying this before. Here we go. Oh! <laughs> you never let us have any fun. There were hands up in the back when I was doing that. Ah, it was awesome. <laughs> you never let us have any fun. Okay, that's good. A lot of hands. That's good. All right, how about this? You always... All right, I want you to insert the name of your brother, your sister, your sibling in here. You always pick 
their side. Anybody say that? Oh, yeah, that's, that's raw right there. Ouch. Okay, um, how about this? Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> you always have to work. Always. All you ever do is work. You always have to work. Oh, yeah. Oh, we never get to do anything cool. Yes. Okay, good job. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, last spring break, we um, were, were blessed with uh, a place to stay in Florida. Somebody uh, donated a, a vacation condo place for us to stay in Florida uh, for a week, and it was awesome, and it was so great. And so we, we planned the trip, and we looked at it, and we thought, you know what? If we're going to do this, we, we need to do it right. We need to do it big. So we got this place, and then um, I went and donated a couple pints of blood, and then donated my spleen on the black market, and um, raised some money so that we could go to Disney for a few days, right? Um, and it was awesome. I mean, so not when they took out my spleen, but Disney, like Disney was so awesome. We had such a great time. And, and, you know, they do everything right there. Their customer service is just off the charts. And they're constantly, like, looking for ways to, to serve you and take care of you and, and get more of your money. And they do that so well. And uh, you really enjoy that. Um, and so we did. We had, we had a blast. And, um, you know, on, on the back end of that trip, you know, we just kind of had to form this sort of embargo in our home against these sort of always never statements. Because I mean, you know, it was like, gosh, like leaving Disney on the way home, you know, within 12 hours. You know, we're getting some of these like, you never let us do anything fun. And we're like, what? Disney, uh, hello, uh, I don't think so. And so Eric and I would kind of like clench our jaws and just be like, never let you have any fun. Are you kidding me? Like, oh, we just went to Disney and like, you, I don't have my spleen anymore and it's painful and like, you, you're not great. So anyway, we, we were like, none of this. No, you're not going to say that like for a year that none of those statements are allowed. I was like, you never let us have ice cream. You had ice cream at Disney. Like you had it and that was it. And never, dad, we went to Disney 12 years ago. You're going to have to let that go. And no, never. But hey, these statements aren't reserved for just parents and kids, Right. Okay, so let, let's, play, let's play another round here. So, so this is, this is for, for anybody, everybody, spouses, uh, significant others. I mean, gosh, even good friends, we, we go there, uh, go here sometimes. And, and you probably don't want to raise your hand on these. Probably not helpful. Um, you can raise eyebrows if you want. That's fine. Um, you never listen to me. Um, the game... A game? How, how many games are there? You always turn on the game. How many games do we have to watch? I never get any attention. I, I never get to do the things that I want to do. You never want to... Never mind, we'll do that one when Kids Point's back in session. But you get, you get the point. Like... This always never language. It's a thing, right? And if we brought up some of our counseling friends here, you know, they would, they would come up here and they would testify like, hey, you got to be careful with some of these statements. That they're actually kind of dangerous and they're not necessarily super helpful in our relationships. 
Because always never statements, is, it's language that's often used when arguing and there's this desire to uh, make an emphasis or to drive home a certain point. The problem is always never statements are, are often unfair, accusatory, and just complete exaggerations. There's this old saying, uh, always and never statements are always false and never true. Like, like this one, we, we said this one just, just a moment ago, you never listen to me. And then on the flip side, oh, y yes, I do. I always listen to you. I I'm listening to you right now. In fact, I listen to you like a billion times a day. Like what? Are, and it's just this always, never sort of, is this too close to home? Should we like move on? Like, Okay, I don't ever hear this stuff at home, so I don't know about, I mean, I, some friends have told me about this, and we'll pray for them, but. but. No, hey, check this out. So fascinating to me, the language Paul uses here. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Love, it always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never And in the beauty and poetry and familiarity of this passage, it can be so easy for us just to let the words just sort of flow and wash over us. And yet, with sensitivity to some of this always, never language, this causes a bit of a pause for me. I don't know about you. But, but I just look at some of this and I go, wait, 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 wait. Love always protects? It, it, it always trusts? It always hopes? Always perseveres? It never fails? Th those are huge statements. I mean, is Paul falling into this always, never trap of overstating and exaggerating what love is and what it's not? I mean, could this be true? Is it actually possible? See, as I reflect on this list, I, I can pinpoint times in my life and in ways that I have failed at all of these. And I could review my story and stories of family and friends, and, and, and I could think of instances where it sure feels like love failed. So is Paul being unrealistic? Has he set the bar too high? See, I think this is one of these things of, of perspective and, and vantage point of how we're looking into it. And this is why it's so important for us to unpack what he's saying here and how this truth can be applied to our lives. So we want to look through these, through these five things, look at the statements, unpack a little bit of what they mean. Love always protects. Love always protects. The word protects here means to cover. Protects means to cover. First Peter chapter four, verse eight, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. One of the marks of love is that it seeks to protect. And this doesn't mean that we excuse wrongdoing or we seek to escape the consequences of sin. It means that we strengthen what is weak and we shield what is vulnerable. We strengthen what is weak. We shield what is vulnerable. Imagine it like a, a canopy. J just something that stretches over and it just gives cover to just the enemy fire and there's just the, the things that are raining down on someone who may be vulnerable or someone who may be weak because love covers a multitude of sins. And when we see someone who is weak 
or vulnerable, may the love of Christ rise in us, up in us to protect. We've been a certified foster home for about four years now. And uh, being involved in foster care is just absolutely a crazy ride. It is. And I know there's a number of you in here that could testify on that behalf. And I'll often tell people, knowing what I know now, I don't think that I would, left to myself, naturally say yes to this ministry. Knowing what I know now, I don't think I would naturally say yes to this ministry. But knowing what I know now, I don't know how I could say no. And you see, it's at that intersection where we find broken, hurting, weak, vulnerable people. And it's at that intersection where I stand and I just beg Jesus to show up and do the work that only he can do because love protects. And there are a group of people and you know these people in your life, not necessarily just in foster care, but in the situations you're in, and they need someone to cover them. They need someone to advocate on behalf of them because love always protects. And this world and our community is filled with weak and vulnerable people who need someone to step up and protect. And please, do not let the tired political debates of who is deserving of your kindness and your charity pull you off course of your God-given command to love. If God puts something, a need in front of you, and you have the ability to do something about it, do it. You need to do it and trust him with the results. Love always protects. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and I know many of you know this story. A man is on a journey. He's going through a dangerous, winding road. And he gets jumped. A, a, a group of people come out and they jump him and they, they rob him and they, they beat him up and they leave him on the side of the road, bloodied and, and naked, just leave him to die. And in this story, Jesus talks about three different men who come along and see this man on the side of the road. Three different men, different people, different places of life, different circumstances, three different men. And the first two men, they just walk past as if this man laying on the side of the road doesn't even exist. But then the Good Samaritan comes along and he stops. And he opens up his life and he opens up his heart and he opens up his resources and he makes a choice to protect, to lay cover. Because love covers a multitude of sins. He uses his resources and all that he has with the opportunity that God has placed in front of him and he makes a choice to help save this man's life. And I know we can sit and we can hear stories like that and we can be like, oh, that's just, that's, that's such an interesting story. But what if this story was about you? What if you were one of the characters in the story? Who would you want to be? Do, do you want to be the, the, the men who did nothing? The, the men who walked by and they, I, I'm too busy. I just don't have time for this. I, I don't have margin for this in my life right now. I, I just, I, I can't. 
Or the men who, who looked and they saw, for whatever reason, maybe it was a racial tension, a, a religious barrier, uh, some sort of cultural divide that they're looking at. And they looked down at that man and they went to the other side of the street and said, I can't have anything to do with him. Or do you want to be like the Good Samaritan who is the most unlikely of characters in this story to walk in and seemingly just throw caution to the wind and lean in and love? He's the hero and of course that's the character that we want to be. Love always protects. Who in your world is taking on fire right now? that could use some cover. Kids, I know Kondo said it earlier, and it's, it's just painful to say and even think about, but summer's almost over and, and school's on the way. <laughs> Somebody just said amen. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, there's systems of protection everywhere. Um, so... Kids, you're going to come across, probably, unfortunately, you're probably going to come across a situation at school sometime this year where you're going to find some kids just being mean to somebody else, picking on some other kid, making their life really hard and miserable. And you're going to have a choice. It's going to be similar to this Good Samaritan thing where you're going to have an opportunity to decide. Are you going to walk by? Are you going to participate? Are you going to step in and protect and cover? I would challenge you to think about that. Get ready for that. Decide now before it happens because it will happen. The rest of us, who in our life needs a love that protects? All right, next one. Love always trusts. Love always trusts. The word trust means to believe. It's a belief in someone. And the fact that uh, love believes and trusts all things does not make a loving person naive or undiscerning. We're not talking about being gullible here. We're not talking about just recklessly giving away trust at all costs. But a love that always trusts, a love that always has a belief in, means that there is no second guessing or questioning whether or not the person should be loved. You see, for the Good Samaritan, as he walked along, he didn't sit and look at the person and go, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if he deserves some love. I wonder what he did. I wonder if he deserved what he got down here. I wonder if I should do something about this. No. He just dives in because that's what love does. Love is simply given and it's given unconditionally. The receiver of the love does not need to perform or to achieve a certain goal in order to be loved. Just as Christ loves his children unconditionally, he calls us to love others. And love is based on who he is, not on what others do. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his, only, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God started this whole thing. God is love. It's who he is. It's his character. It's his nature. And in his love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, while we were yet sinners, to die for us. He initiated and started this whole thing. We are simply following his lead. And we're invited to join in and participate in this unbelievable work of redemptive love. A love that gives trust and belief to people. Going to uh, Bible school in uh, downtown Chicago, the homeless population used to love, uh, they loved to hang out and um, just sort of wait on us gullible Christian kids to come walking off campus and out into the streets. And uh, it was really hard, uh, honestly, at first, to just to know what to do and, and how to help them. And it took some time to just get educated with, you know, some of the way things are in the city and some of the ways to help and, and, and practical, real, true, helpful things. Uh, and one of the things is, you know, there, there's just a law against panhandling and handing out money. And so that, that was helpful because as people would approach, I mean, that, that's most of the time what people are asking for. Hey, can I have some money? And there was just this kind of really easy, like, hey, you know, I, I, can't, I can't give you money. Um, but what do you need? What, what, what is it that, that, that you need? And uh, so sometimes, you know, it'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm really hungry. I could really use something to eat. Okay, hey, great. Um, I, I'm walking this way, and there's a Burger King a couple blocks. You want to come with me, and I'll, I'll, I'll gladly buy you a burger. Or, or a lot of times it was, hey, I, I really need to get you know, um, on the other side of the city. I, I need to get, uh, you know, onto the train or the bus. And, and so I may be standing there and say, hey, you know what? I can, uh, I can swipe my CTA card for you, help you get a ride. That, that's fine. No problem. And it was always just fascinating and interesting because you'd really quickly find out, um, you know, if someone really truly wanted your help and what they said. Um, because again, a lot of people are just looking for cash. And so some people get kind of perturbed and just, you know, forget it, never mind, take off and go find somebody else. Um, but one of my favorites is just some of the, the upgrade potential that would happen, you know, when you would offer something. And one of my favorite was I had offered this guy uh, a hamburger and I, I had some time and I said, hey, can I sit down and, and eat, uh, buy you a burger and, and have lunch with you? And, um, you know, he just, I don't know if he just sensed some of my southern roots or what, but he was like, man, you know what? I'm really kind of in the mood for ribs. <laughs> and I was like, man, me too. Like, where, where do we go? So we walked like five blocks and, and got some ribs, and it was awesome. And listen, listen, listen. I know for a fact, I know for a fact, on multiple occasions that I was taken advantage of, I know that. One time there was this guy, Charles, who I met and, and I ate a meal with him and, and, and prayed with him and he had gotten a job interview um, and needed some, some nice clothes and uh, an opportunity. So I thought, wow, this is great. This is an opportunity to help this guy. And so I decided I would help him and get some clothes and some things together. And um, I had a sweater that I, I thought would look good for his interview. And I thought, hey, why don't you, why don't you take my sweater and, and wear my sweater? And so, you know, I was kind of all in with this guy for, for a little bit. And... Um, the next day, I'm walking down the street, and I just kind of look over the street, and I think, here comes a guy wearing my sweater. And that's not Charles. Hey, 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 come here. So I, you know, cross the street. Run. I was like, hey, where'd you get that sweater? Oh, man, Charles sold it to me yesterday. 
Well, too bad you didn't see me yesterday because I would have given it to you for free. You overpaid, man. Like, you know, and hey, that was just, that was just the reality of some of those situations. And I would get so worked up over it because I wanted to help people. I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to, to be a good Christ follower and, and do what God has commanded me to do. And yet no one likes to be taken advantage of. No one likes to be burned. And I'd find myself just paralyzed in these situations of just not knowing what to do. And so, you know, I went from just kind of walking through the city, just head up and, and wide-eyed and just connecting, talking to people to just like starting to close up a little bit and just put my hands in my pocket and put my head down and just don't make eye contact. And I hold my wallet and I feel, okay, and just keep walking. And see, the problem is that's, that's not a posture of love. That, that's, that's a posture of just self-defense and self-preservation. And yet I got really anxious and, and just, just sort of worked up over this idea of being taken advantage of. And that's when the Lord spoke to me and he opened my eyes and he said, Matt, how many times have you taken advantage of my grace and my love for you? And yet I have never withheld from you. You need it, Right? Don't second-guess love. See, love, it always believes. It always trusts. Don't try to manage it. Just give it away unconditionally. I will take care of the circumstances. You just be an extension of my love. And suddenly, I was just free. I didn't run around handing out blank checks to my heart and, and to my resources. But the moments where situations were brought in front of me, and I had a choice to make, and I had the ability and opportunity to help, I would knowing that sometimes I was being taken advantage of. And that was okay. Because God was responsible for those results. Love always trusts. Who in your life needs someone to believe in them? I realize that you have been burned by people, and I am not advocating for you to give someone an all-access backstage pass to your life. People need to be trustworthy. They need to earn trust. But, but could you find the strength to maybe lean in and, and do something as simple as just sending a note, expressing forgiveness because Christ forgave you? You have no idea what simple gesture of love and belief can do for someone. So I'd encourage you to do that. Love always hopes. Hope means to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. To wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. Now, we aren't talking about just merely a wish or a desire, but rather a confident belief in the unseen. The hope within us is Christ himself. And if he lives within us, his hope will be seen in how we treat others. Part of showing love is hoping, and part of hoping is seeing the potential of others. 18th century German author and poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, what an awesome name, he said this, if we treat people as they ought to be, we help them become what they are capable of becoming. If we treat people as they ought to be, we help them become what they are capable of becoming. And you know this, there are people in your life who are not being treated the way they ought to be. And it is holding them back from their potential. It is like an oppression, a heavy weight on them. And in love, we can always be hopeful. We can show confidence in others. This does not rule out confrontation of wrongs. 
but the impact of a positive attitude filled with hope in the life of another person, it's priceless. We need vision to see beyond some of our circumstances, and sometimes we don't have that in us, and we need someone to come in and speak that to us. Many years ago when I was a youth pastor working with uh, middle school students, we were at summer camp, and uh, I was, uh, found myself laying flat on my back on the concrete outside basketball court, just looking up at the stars and just tears streaming down my face. And that night we had had this just unbelievable worship service and it was just really powerful and, and beautiful and uh, we served communion and I had opportunity to, to individually serve communion to every one of my students and just speak to them as to what this meant for them and their life and a number of kids came to Christ and it was just, it was just awesome. And yet laying on the basketball court and just crying was, had nothing to do with the worship service. You see, because after the worship service, you know, we wrap up and we let out and we let the kids out to go play basketball and volleyball and, you know, get a snack and, you know, just kind of return to, to being middle school students. And, and then we start the, the move and transition to bed. And in that, like, two hours, just chaos broke out. It was crazy. I'm pulling kids off of each other and kids are fighting. And this kid that I'd prayed with to receive Jesus an hour ago is cussing this other kid out. And then, you know, kids are just not going to bed and not being quiet. And we're in that lodge situation, you know, where it's like the guy's hall and the girl's hall. And there's these two rooms that, you know, their walls butt up. And inevitably it's one guy's room and one girl's room. And, you know, they're just doing the ridiculous, like, you know, knocking on each other. <laughs> you know, and it's just spreading down the, the hall and, you know, I am just losing it. And uh, I'll never forget running up the stairs in the girl's wing and just <laughs> pounding on this door and just being like, what is going on in here? And just swing open the door. And here's my wife, Erica, in the middle of the room, just kind of leading her girls in like this sort of dance party moment. She's like, <laughs> and she sees my eyes and it's like, And man, I just lost it. And I went outside and I'm laying on this basketball court just crying like, what am I doing with my life? And my good friend and my, my boss, Keith, who, who was just the, the, the pastor over me, I remember he sat down with me and he, he just gave me a moment to speak hope into me. He said, Matt, listen, junior high ministry, middle school ministry, it's, it's doing ministry in the dark. It is. You just don't get to see some of the long-term results. You get to see moments and those are real moments. What happened in that worship service was real. But what happened on the basketball court is real too. What you need to do is you need to develop a vision beyond these years. You need to start looking at these 12, 13-year-olds as the 21-year-old college student, as the 24-year-old person going into the career uh, world for the first time, as the 26, 27-year-old getting married and having kids, as the new youth pastor, as the new teacher, as what, just have vision out there to make these moments these hard moments where it's kind of this emotional tug of war mean a little bit more. Parents, some of you need to do this with your kids. You're in a season, you're in a phase. I've heard the, the saying, the days are long, but the years are short, and it's going to go by like that. And whatever phase you're in right now, whether it's teething or terrible twos or you're in some of these crazy teenage years, find hope in the fact that you can have vision for your kids beyond the moment that you're in. And these years and this time are just invaluable to their development. 
And the ability to love and to share that hope is so crucial. So who in your world could lose, use some hope? Love perseveres. Perseveres means to remain or endure. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Love does not quit. Jesus, facing a horribly painful, humiliating death, held in front of him the joy, the complete joy that he would have in completing his father's covenant with his people. Realizing the moment that through his life, through his death, his burial, his resurrection, that the relationship between God and people would have a bridge to heal it and bring it back together. And he looked at that and he took that as joy and he endured the cross. The love spoken in this chapter of scripture, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, is not a love from a romance novel or this fading sense of feelings. It's a godly love that always perseveres. Good times and bad, the love of God's people endures the challenges of life. A person walking in the love of Christ will consistently seek what is best for his loved one. There's no fair-weather friendship here. It's not an on-again, off-again arrangement, but a commitment to always seek the highest good, no matter what adversity may come. And I realize persevering, it's not always easy. It's not always fun. In the moment, it can be hard. But there's a deep sense of grace and peace that resides in those who remain and endure on behalf of love. Who in your life needs someone who will step in and persevere? What relationship needs someone just to step in and be there and remain and endure? Last thing here as we quickly wrap up. Love never fails. Love never fails. Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How awesome is that? Nothing will ever separate us from this love. This love will never stop. It will never end. It will never fail. We fail. I fail. I mean, goodness, I fail all the time. But if we base the power and extent of the love talked about in this passage in our own strength, in our own power, in our own perspective, then that's where we will go wrong. That's where the always never statements will predictably be a letdown. But when we operate in the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, we rise above our weakness. We rise above our fears. We won't have a sense of just guilt or obligation, but there will be an overflow of the heart rooted in this pure and perfect love. In this passage that we've been studying, Paul has given us 16 verbs to describe what love is and what it is not. What if this year you made this famous passage an integral, active part of your life. And these became the character traits that you were known for. As we walked through this, I, I asked you if you knew people who came to mind. What if you actually connected and did something with those relationships and went and presented love in this way? 
I'm telling you, it matters when you are known for a love like this. Twelve days ago, my grandmother went for a nap in her nursing home. And she didn't show up for dinner. And uh, being someone who never wanted to bother or inconvenience anyone, she just quietly slipped in and made her move into eternity to be with Jesus. And it's just unbelievable as I look and, and I process her life. And, and a week from now, I'm going to have the privilege of uh, being at our home church in Georgia and standing on a stage and sharing with people about her life at her memorial service. And if you've been here a while, you've heard me talk about her. She's the grandma that when she turned 85, she asked me to take her skydiving and we went and it was awesome. And then um, when she turned 91, she went again with my cousin. Um, serious, she was crazy and uh, just super adventurous. And yet beyond all of the, the adventure and beyond all of just some of that craziness, what's so inspiring and what's so remarkable to me is I look through this passage and she wasn't perfect. She had her stuff. She had her things like we all do. But as I look through this passage and as I've been thinking and preparing for sharing about her life and as I've been talking to family about stories of her life, it just keeps coming up again and again and again. She was someone who lived this out. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the reputation that my grandmother has in the way that she lived. And she lived through some really hard circumstances. She lived through the Great Depression, and she lived through losing her husband in her 50s, and she lived through losing her son to cancer, and yet she walked through life with just this smile on her face this joy in her heart because of the love of Jesus in her. And anybody who spent any amount of time with her got to experience that love back. And I hope and I pray that someday the same can be said about me. And I hope the same can be said about you. We exist to invite everyone everywhere to life in Christ as a church. But that won't happen unless we take this thing outdoors. Unless we take this thing with our lives out of these doors and into our community and into our world. So please, join me in actively seeking that out. Join me in looking for those opportunities. Join me in representing the love of Jesus Christ well. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for the privilege it is to be here together. And Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the love of your son, Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness and the grace and the peace and the hope that we find in and through him. And Lord, through him and, and through Christ in us, may we, in our lives, pour this love out into our world and into our community freely and trust you with the results. Find us faithful in that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.